The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. I'm ready to get into the Word. I'm excited to get into the Word this morning. We're going to continue in a series that I think is very important. Uh, I try to, uh, to stay very dialed into what I believe God is speaking to us as a congregation. Now, sometimes it's difficult when, when things are going on around you to not be influenced by outside influences. And we have a number of things going on politically and, and elements that are, I've never seen before in my life that are, are pulling. But when I felt this stir in my spirit to share with you, I thought it was very fitting. And it, it, I really believe that it's the Lord leading us in this direction. I want to get into the word and, uh, and continue in the direction that he's leading us. Here's a few things we're going to find. Now, I encourage note-taking. If you're able to jot down a few notes, that's great. gives you a chance to go back and revisit those things. It also gives you an opportunity to look forward to a few things. I'll give you a few things to look forward to. Uh, one of those things is what's needed in order to resist evil. What's needed in order to resist evil? I mean, we are encouraged as believers to, to walk in, in righteousness and to resist evil, but the scripture gives us some instruction, some counsel, some direction uh, in how to make that a reality so that it's not just simply uh, something that we know we're supposed to do, but that we're equipped to actually do it. Uh, another thing we're going to find is how to see God in your life. Now, that may sound a little uh, strange to some of you, but I can just tell you I've been in a number of situations and circumstances where that was the most important thing for me was to be able to see what God was doing in my life because so many things were going on that were introducing uh, confusion and frustration. I just needed to know that God was present and that he was in control. Uh, a third thing that we're going to find is what's needed in order to defeat Satan. And that's a, a, an element we're going to see in the scripture here, and I think it's an important thing. Uh, it, it should help us uh, prioritize uh, one specific thing that I know God's calling us to prioritize. So as we get into the word here, we're going to find out what's needed to defeat Satan uh, as, we, as we get started. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. And Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to begin looking around verse 10. I want to read several passages here. We're going to emphasize a few of them. In Ephesians chapter 6, you're, you're going to find a section of Scripture, if your Bible has titles or, or uh, anything like that to help you uh, uh, direct yourself through the Word, you're probably going to see a, a title that would involve the armor of God. I want to talk about this uh, and continue to speak about this this morning. Uh, beginning in verse 10, the Word reads, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the full armor of God so that you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Now, I want to stop there. I think it's important to always stop there and emphasize what's being spoken there. So that you'll be able to. I mean, we can all come into agreement that there are schemes that are going on. There are schemes to uproot or derail righteousness. There are attempts to to introduce things that are unclean into the areas where there are clean things. I mean... I even look around today politically and think, why is the emphasis so strong on, on stopping church meetings? I mean, if you, if you really did have public health in mind, I think you'd probably be more interested in what's going on any given moment at Walmart or Sam's. 
you know? I mean, so it just seems to me like there are schemes that are going on. I'm not pushing a political agenda. I'm just saying when I look at what's going on today, I see schemes. And when I read the scripture here and I see something so powerful as so that you will be able to resist the schemes of your enemy, it makes me want to really pay attention to what's being spoken there. Uh, it goes on to say, for we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and rulers of darkness in this world, and against spiritual wickedness in high places. That means none of your problems are people. But all of the things that we deal with have a, a force or a motivation behind them, a spiritual uh, force. Understanding that's important. I think a lot of times we spend our time fighting with people, when the reality is we're equipped to actually do things in the spirit that can have a very powerful effect. So we're going to continue to read here. Uh, Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day, having done everything to stand firm. Verse 14, stand firm, therefore, having put on the belt of truth. Now, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. And putting on the breastplate of righteousness. We spoke about that. And having covered your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, take up the shield of faith with which you are able to extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one and put on the helmet of salvation. Take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Basically what's being revealed, there are all of these elements of the armor that we need to walk in every single day in order to resist the evil that's going on around us. Now, I I love the idea that these things are animated, that they have an example given uh, alongside them. But every one of these elements, like truth and righteousness, and in this case we see the gospel of peace, every one of these elements is an important uh, biblical gift that God's given us to apply to our life in order to walk in the way that we're called to walk, to walk in the victory that we're called to walk in. Now, today I want to specifically talk about what's called the gospel of peace, And when we get to that, oftentimes because of the word gospel, we immediately just think of the Bible. But the word gospel means good news. What's being said here is is we're called to cover our feet with the preparation of the good news of peace. And peace is really good news, by the way. I mean, I don't know if you've ever walked in, in a situation where you felt like peace was absent. But when peace entered in, it's quite a relief, you know. Uh, stress and strain and anxiety, all of these things are, are extreme in their effects, their negative effects in our lives mentally, physically, emotionally. But when peace enters in or when there's some form of relief, it, it's, it's a tremendous uh, sensation of freedom or victory. And I think that's good news. And when I think about the idea that this peace is being uh, equipped on our feet, I have to just stop and ask, Why? Why is it that, you know, the the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God and the helmet is salvation and the breastplate is is, is, uh, equated with righteousness? Why is it that peace is our our foot covering, our our shoes, basically? When I think about this, I have to consider, you know, what my shoes do. I mean, first of all, my shoes are in contact with, with, with the earth and all of its inconsistencies. They're providing a barrier between me and all the instability that, that, that I, I'm in contact with every single day. And when you think about some of those inconsistencies, I mean, it, it makes sense that, that a shoe is important. I don't think I've ever been more aware of, of an inconsistency beneath my feet than getting up in the middle of the night and stepping on my children's toys, you know? I mean, it's enough to make a pastor cuss. It, 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 I, 
Legos are sharp. (laughs) But when you think about this, I mean, there's all of these inconsistencies beneath your feet, and your footwear are introducing a stable platform. It's stability and comfort in the midst of instability and discomfort. And when I look around the world today, I see tremendous instability and tremendous discomfort, and it's peace that we're called to be equipped with to serve as a buffer between us and the chaos that's going on outside. I want to talk about peace for a moment. I want to identify a few things. One, that it is good news. I mean, the gospel of peace. Peace is good news. Jesus spoke about peace. I'll give you a passage of scripture for your notes. John 14, 27. Jesus spoke about peace, and he was speaking to me and to you. He said, peace I leave with you. He goes on to identify that it's not just peace in a generic form. In fact, he he says, it's my peace. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. And when I read that passage, I can get hung up on a number of different things. And, and, you know, when you're you're preaching or you're in the, the thinking like a pastor, we refer to some of those things as rabbit trails. You know, they're things that kind of become distractions or But I think it's important to identify, he says, I'm not giving this to you as the world gives. Now, oftentimes I think of the difference in peace, you know, that the world's version of peace always involves compromise. I mean, you look at any form of peace that the world produces, and it's some form of treaty where there's sacrifices made on both sides to come to some agreement to what we're going to call peace. But Jesus's peace is absolute. It's void of any compromise whatsoever. And then I love the fact that he's saying that he's not giving it as the world gives it. There are absolutely no strings attached. It's this wonderful gift. That is, in my opinion, what makes it the gospel of peace, the good news. It's great news that Jesus is providing his peace into our lives through his wonderful gift that God has manifest in his life, his death, his resurrection on our behalf. And this resulting freedom from anxiety, don't let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. I can see now the importance of peace. That if it's the peace of Jesus Christ that can equip me to fulfill this instruction, to live a life free from fear or anxiety, I want to pursue that peace with everything in me. I I want to make sure that what Jesus paid the highest price to bring into my life is present and effective. And it can make sense to us when we see all the things going on around us, why those things are happening. I mean, there are a number of things going on that are trying to prevent peace from existing in the lives of believers. I mean, I want to give you a list of things here, and we're going to talk about these things in a moment. But do you see an increase in wickedness when you look around you? I mean, wickedness not just being like sin or or people misbehaving, but doing it on purpose. I mean, wickedness is, hey, I know it's bad, I know it's wrong, I'm going to do it anyway, you know. You see a lot of that. Do you see an increase of anxiety? I mean, I can't turn on the television without seeing advertisements for, for pills to help with anxiety. That tells me a lot of people are dealing with anxiety. Do you see an increase of confusion? I mean, uh, I've seen mountains of confusion, whether it's, it's, it's political or whether it's medical. I mean, everywhere I go, you'll hear one thing one day and then that's something different the next day. Do you see an increase of revenge? I mean, I see so much hate driving people's actions, their words, their, their motivation is to pay back in a vindictive way. 
Do you see an increase of chaos? I mean, all of these things are on the rise around us, and we're going to see in the scripture that all of these things are a hindrance to peace. The peace that brings us to a place where we're actually equipped to resist evil, actually equipped to resist the devil, actually equipped to live a life without trouble or anxiety or fear in our hearts. So uh, to understand peace, we have to understand that God is the God of peace. I'll give you a couple passages of scripture. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. Here's how it reads. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely in your spirit, in your soul, and in your body. May they be preserved and complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus. It means that God, who is identified as the God of peace, is doing this wonderful work in every aspect of your life. Physically, mentally, spiritually, he is at work in you. In your body, in your soul, which exists in the realm of your mind, and in your spirit. And I think it's important that that he's not just generically referred to as God. And he's not even identified as, you know, the God of power or the God of love. But very intentionally, by the Holy Spirit, he's revealed as the God of peace, bringing this sanctifying work into every aspect of our living. And I consider the word of there as well. I mean, of is a possessive word. If, if I were to hold up my Bible, I could say, well, this is Preston's Bible. Or you could say that's the Bible of Preston. It belongs to him. So you have the God of peace. I mean, all peace is belonging to God. He possesses it. There's no sanctification, there's no restorative work, there's no freedom from anxiety or fear or corruption of any kind without that impartation of peace that God holds all rights to. I'll give you a passage of scripture out of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 9, beginning in verse 6. We're just going to read two passages here. For a child will be born to us, a son given, and the government will rest on his shoulders. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. And there will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. When I read that last passage of scripture, I mean, I have to reconcile a number of things. I mean, one, I'm an American citizen, and two, I'm a Texan. So there's this element of of don't tread on me, come and take it. You know, big government is, is not something that is embraced. But when you consider the fact that the government of Jesus is constantly increasing, and as his government increases, so does peace, it makes me want to increase his rule and reign in every aspect of my life. And and when I read this passage as a young believer, I, I thought, wow, Jesus is the prince of peace. So that means that, you know, everything that's peaceful, he's he's the prince of. And I've come to see this differently now. Not that everything that's peaceful he's the prince of, but rather everything that he becomes prince over becomes peaceful. And it makes me evaluate my life. It makes me evaluate my marriage. It makes me evaluate my family, raising my sons. It makes me evaluate uh, ministry and, and labor and work and business and every aspect of my life. Wherever there's a lack of peace, I have to ask myself now, is Jesus Lord over this? And if he's not, how can I exalt him in this situation? How can I see to it that Jesus is king over my marriage? Because obviously there's a need for that impartation of peace. And peace is a result of the Holy Spirit. It's a fruit of the Holy Ghost. I mean, Galatians 5, and 23 list those fruits as love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. 
meaning that it's produced by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit at work in my life. Now, I look at this and I think about this list and I think about it a little differently. You don't have to embrace this thought. I'm just sharing with you a personal opinion. That if God saw it necessary to send Jesus to the earth, then send Jesus to the cross, then raise him from the dead, then you know, bring him or have him ascend into heaven and then pour out the Holy Spirit so that these things could be in my life, it tells me that they're not in my life otherwise. There was a tremendous need and great efforts were gone to to bring these things into my life. Love and joy and peace are not things that naturally occur in my life, but rather through this tremendous effort on behalf of my maker, our heavenly father, there's a wonderful impartation of all that's needed in order to walk in the victory that we're called to walk in. That victory, including peace, is part of God's covenant. I'll give you a passage of scripture out of Isaiah, Isaiah 54.10. says, the mountains may be removed and the hills may shake, but the loving kindness of God will not be removed from me. God, your covenant is a covenant of peace that will not be shaken. Other translations write this as in God is speaking. So let me read it in another translation. For the mountains may be removed and the hills may shake, but my loving kindness will not be removed from you, and my covenant of peace will not be shaken. I have to think of the language that's being used here. I mean, when you look at the, the mountains being shaken and the hills may be moved, you, you have to realize there's this tremendous attempt to animate the ultimate chaos. I mean, a situation in which the wheels are falling off. I, I've been in a number of, of situations that some would deem dangerous or, or uh, whatnot. I mean, I, I grew up in the Texas panhandle, so, you know, we would have acclimate weather. You'd have tornadoes and things. But for us, that meant you went outside, you know, like, hey, I think I see it. You know, and you get in the car, and, oh, it's over there, let's drive over there. But I can tell you the one time in my life where I absolutely felt powerless. It was, I was sitting in my home, and all of a sudden there was an earthquake. I'd never felt anything like that. You just hear this sound, and all of a sudden all the lights start swinging, and where do you go? You can't run anywhere. You can't hide. I mean, the very foundation beneath your feet is being shaken. So when I read this passage of Scripture, I realize what's being done here. The ultimate uh, powerless situation is being animated. And then this impartation is coming to follow. That God's loving kindness and his covenant of peace will never be removed from me. The ground could be removed from beneath my feet, but his covenant of peace will remain. God is revealing to us how important and how necessary this is to be embraced and understood that no matter what we deal with, no matter what situation, no matter what circumstance, no matter what we're dealing with, peace prevails. God's kingdom is peace. I'll give you a passage of scripture out of Romans. Romans 14, 17. The kingdom of God is is or exists in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. By the way... Those are the three things that Jesus gives of himself to you. By faith, we have the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We already read the passage of scripture there where Jesus says, I give you my peace. And then you see multiple times and specifically in John 17 when Jesus prays for you that he's asking for God to give you his joy. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. 
the result of peace in our life is the life that God's called us to. I'll give you a couple of passages of Scripture here. James 3.18. It says, The seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Uh, to me, that's an interesting passage of Scripture. The seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. It tells me the importance of peace in my life. It's going to be very difficult to do the things that are pleasing to God outside of peace. Now, I look at this, and I, I look at my own life, and I ask myself, how many things have I done in compliance with what the Bible says, but yet there was a conflict, there was a tension? I can use, you know, my own upbringing as an example, or I can see it in my own children where, where there's this willingness to obey, but yet I don't like it. But when I see this call for peace, that, that the things that we're going to do, when they're done in peace, they produce wonderful results. Isaiah 32, 17 says the work of the righteous will be peace. There's this wonderful result. And when you consider what that means, because we can run the word peace into the ground, we can exhaust it so that it begins to lose its potency. When we realize when we say peace, we're talking about the absence of fear. We're talking about freedom from anxiety. We're talking about a wonderful and powerful effect. Now, peace is never accidental. It's always pursued. I want to give you a, a handful of, of scriptures here. Now, this is important to me. It may not... It may not connect or, or resound with you like it does with me, but oftentimes if I'm not careful, I will begin to live accidentally. <laughs> My actions are not intentional. I begin to, to coast. And I can tell you most of the time when that happens, it doesn't result in good things. So let me just give you an example. I mean, let's just say you went and got in your car and you began to not pay attention to driving, okay? Probably going to result in an accident. Now, I know many of you are probably like me, where you've driven somewhere before and you've not really remembered the actual drive. And it's like, well, what were you thinking about the whole time, you know, you were driving from A to B, you know? Well, so that just tells you it happens. We, we, we engage in things, we, we move from one place to the next, but yet that's not on our mind. Now, when I do that in my life, excuse me, when I do that in my life, sometimes that results in, in uh, undesirable results. So peace is not accidental, it's pursued, it's on purpose, it's intentional. I'll give you a few passages of scripture. In fact, these include one of the things that we were going to find, how to see God in your life. I mentioned before that was a, a, a personal thing for me, an important thing, how to see God in your life. I'll give you a passage of scripture out of Hebrews, Hebrews 12, 14. Hebrews 12, 14 says, pursue peace with all men and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. No one will see God without the pursuit of peace with all men. It's, it's an instruction. Now, this is an instruction that doesn't sit well with a, a lot of people because we've all been hurt, we've all been wounded, we've all been rejected, we've all been cheated, we've all been scammed. We've all, if you've got the internet, you have basically experienced one of these uh, things that I listed there. At the end of the day, if you have had any relational contact with another person, there has probably been some element of disappointment, frustration, or abuse. But our call as believers, in order to see God moving and active in our life, is to walk in that sanctified life of pursuing peace. Jesus spoke about that. He actually equated that to our, our, our identity, excuse me, as the children of God. 
in Matthew chapter 5, he's giving the, what we refer to as the Beatitudes. I mean, he's basically preaching this, this powerful message with all of these uh, kingdom principles. He says, blessed are those that make peace, for they will be called the sons of God. Romans 14, 19 says, pursue the things which make for peace in the building up of one another. Pursue, meaning intentional. Make your decisions and your actions line up with the result being the making of peace. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 11 and 12 says, Seek peace and pursue it, for the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and his ears attend their prayer. I mean, that one passage of Scripture right there would tell me why there's such an attempt to disrupt peace in my life. If peace is, is this connection that uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 11 and 12 Seek peace and pursue it, for the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and his ears attend their prayer. Uh, Psalm 34, verse 14, it says, Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Now, sometimes the Psalms and the Proverbs read like fortune cookies, you know, where it's like, wow, that was the best, you know, General Sow's chicken I've ever had. Oh, depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it, you know. It's like the nice end to a good Chinese food meal. But I want you to consider this. I mean, consider that this has been translated from a much more efficient language than English. And what you're being told here is depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. You can either hear these two separate wise sayings that kind of come together to make poetry, or you can see a cause and effect. You know, that when we seek peace and pursue it, we will depart from evil and do good. And one of the interesting things to me about, you know, translation and when you look at, at Scripture is we're, we're so used to reading in English and reading in the direction that we read. I mean, I pull out my Bible and I begin reading from left to right. When you look at, at the Hebrew language, you see it's written from right to left. I mean, when I look at this, I always consider, does this communicate something specific to me if I run it backwards? I read it and I see depart from evil, do good, seek peace and pursue it. But when I run that backwards, I can see that when I seek peace and pursue it, depart from evil and do good is the result. Those are just things I want to offer to you, but the scripture by itself stands for itself. However, the spirit uh, uh, ignites it in your heart or reveals it to you uh, will be effective. There's no doubt about that. Now, I mentioned before things that we see on the increase, things that we're seeing more of in the world and that they are a hindrance to peace. The first one was wickedness. Remember, just doing the wrong thing on purpose. I know it's wrong, but I'm going to do it anyway. So if this is in my life, or if this is in your life, it shouldn't be a surprise to us when we, when we find out that peace is hard to come by, that there's constant fight and constant strife and fighting and, and all the, the anxiety that comes with it. Isaiah 48:22 says, there's no peace for the wicked. And that's pretty simple. Psalm 119, 165. Those who love your ways have great peace and nothing causes them to stumble. Now that makes me want to really embrace God's direction and his counsel in my life so that I can have great peace and be free from stumbling. Proverbs 16, 7. When a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, that means when you're doing it God's way, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. That's a powerful statement. 
It doesn't just say, you know, hey, things will go right for you. It says even those who hate your guts and who are intentionally trying to harm you, God will bring peace into that situation. Now, I can wrap my mind around, you know, the cause and effect of my own actions. I do this and I get this result. But that one has a promise attached to it that when I respond to God's word by obedience, he goes to work in the hearts of other people on my behalf. It's a powerful promise. Another one of these preventers of peace is anxiety. Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7 is a call to be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ. <coughs> when we see anxiety on the rise, when we see anxiety introduced into our lives, it's time to respond, to understand that this is a distraction from the promise of the peace of Jesus Christ in my life. And the response is listed there. Giving those things to God, surrendering those things, thanksgiving, being grateful for all that God has blessed us with. Another hindrance to peace is confusion. And you see a lot of confusion today. I mean, I can't watch the news without thinking, well, that sounds different than it did yesterday. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33 makes this statement very clear. God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. And when I see that, it, it kind of emphasizes something to me that I want to just offer to you as a thought. I mean, if I were to say God is not a God of darkness, but a God of light, yeah. I mean, we're seeing an opposite run there. So oftentimes I've thought the opposite of peace would be like anxiety or something like that. But what I see here in this passage of Scripture is that this opposite is confusion. Now, this affects how I deal with things. And I want to just offer this to you as a thought. I mean, you can take it and, and apply it how you see fit. But when I see confusion entering into a situation, I like to pause and not let confusion win. I mean, it could be in a conversation with a coworker. It could be in a conversation within my marriage. I mean, there have been a number of conversations where I've obviously not been on the same page with the other part. My wife is laughing at that. <laughs> that's, that's how wives amen in church. You know that? They just laugh. God bless us. Confusion, though. I mean, I think it's, it, there's an appropriate way to close the door to confusion. When confusion enters in, just the simple pause. I'm not going to feel rushed or pressured. I'm not going to let this, this confusion direct the effects of this conversation or this transaction. So I'm going to pause things. I currently have a, a, a business transaction that's going on. A lot of confusion entered in at the last second. So it's paused. It's just on pause because I'm not going to let confusion direct the results of that transaction. God's not the God of confusion, but of peace. Uh, another element that can prevent peace from prevailing in our lives, remember, peace that's necessary for us to resist the evil schemes of the devil, revenge. Some people are, are, are more vindictive than others in my account, but vengeance is something that is a temptation for every single person. When someone has hurt or wounded, afflicted or abused, there is a, a, a natural tendency to react rather than to respond. I'll give you a passage of scripture, Romans chapter 12. I want to read verses 17 and 18. 
<clears throat> excuse me, never pay back evil for evil to anyone. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Now, I've never gone to Mardell's and found that on a bumper sticker. I haven't seen that on a t-shirt, but it should be. I mean, just think about what is being uh, imparted here. Think about what is being required of us as believers. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. I mean, anyone is absolute, meaning there's not an exception here. There's never a time where it's like, yeah, but he's a dirtbag, so it's okay, you know. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. And then I love that, that this is a conditional thing, if possible. Now, that brings some relief to me. As long as it depends on you, meaning I, I can't control what they do, but I can control what I do. God has blessed me as a fruit of the Holy Spirit with self-control. As long as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. It's a wonderful call for us because that peace is necessary in order to resist the schemes of the evil one. All of these elements that are, are attempting to enter into our life, all of the, the elements of anxiety and all the elements of confusion and the vindication and wickedness are attempts to reduce the amount of peace that we walk in. I'll give you another one of these preventers of peace. I have it listed in my, my notes as, as chaos, but I, I'll, I'll, I'll give it to you in this idea, this concept, because it'll make more sense out of the scripture. A lack of boundaries... This is a topic that comes up often in my, my household. Uh, this is something that, that naturally I think that uh, uh, you can have different standards of boundaries. And for some people, those boundaries are, are very tight. For other people, they're, they're very loose or maybe even non-existent. But boundaries are a, a wonderful and godly thing. I'll give you a couple of passages of scripture here. Uh, one is out of the Psalms, Psalm 147, verse 14. God makes peace within your boundaries. I'll give you a passage of scripture here out of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 60, verse 18. Isaiah 60, verse 18. Excuse me, it says, violence will not be heard again in your land, nor devastation, nor destruction within your borders. But you will call your walls salvation and your gates praise. Your walls salvation and your gates praise. It's become kind of a theme today to include in worship songs, you know, the falling of walls and things like that. And I understand why. I mean, I get that where we have, have walled each other out and, and disengaged from one another. I mean, I've been in churches that have been socially distancing for years, you know. It's nothing new to them. But we are called to, to be united and to love one another. I mean, there, there's a call to be engaged relationally. And any time that there are, are inappropriate walls and boundaries, that can be devastating. But God's called us to function and operate with a system of security where the things of the world don't just come and go in our hearts and in our minds, affecting our actions and our words, where they're all filtered through the, the door or the gate. And, and Jesus is the door. But boundaries are an important and necessary thing. When there's a lack of boundaries, peace is, is hard to come by. And again, it's that promise of peace. 
that good news, that gospel of peace, when Jesus said, I'm going to leave you with my peace so that your heart won't be troubled nor fearful. I mentioned to you we're going to find uh, something as we close here, and I want you to, to pay very close attention to how it's worded. I mentioned we're going to find what's needed to, to, to win or to, to defeat Satan. And I want to remind you that we're here looking at the armor of God and the elements that make up the armor of God so that we can resist evil. And that today we're talking about covering our feet with peace. And I want you to listen to this passage of scripture, and, and I hope that it just makes perfect sense to you like it does to me when I read it with all of those things in mind. Romans 16, verse 20. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The God of peace who's going to cover your feet with the good news of peace, to equip you to resist the devil, will soon bring this ultimate victory. I love the word crush. I mean, if we went to a sporting event and it wasn't even close, it was just a lights-out blowout, you would walk away and you'd say, man, they crushed them. Wasn't even close. There was never even a time where it was in question. And that's what we have as our promise. That when we can pursue peace, like we're called to pursue peace, when we can prioritize peace, seeing it as one of the things that Jesus brings of his own into our life, his righteousness, his peace, his joy. When we can see that God is the God of peace, that it's a result of the Holy Spirit, that it's God's covenant, when we understand that this is one of the elements that's needed in order for us to resist all that's evil, we can be equipped with that which we need to allow the God of peace to soon crush Satan under our feet. I, I want in on that. And when I look at what's going on in the world around us, I want to see my own life and the lives of all of those that I'm surrounded by equipped with every piece of armor that God has called us to wear and walk in in order to have absolute victory, in order to crush the things that are evil. I want to ask you to stand with me this morning. Peace is touched by a number of, of things. I mean, whether it's relational, whether it's some element of bondage. I've, I've seen addictions and, and other activities that have touched the peace that should exist in people's lives. I know that God has called us to walk in that peace, that victory, to be able to crush the devil beneath our feet. And I want to pray and I want to ask God to do something in our hearts and in our minds. I want to trust and believe that God can do something in altering our priorities. Because when I see the scripture and it's called to pursue these things, I see all the distractions that would keep us from pursuing them. All of the elements that might exist in life in general. I mean, it could be, you know, a, a pride. I'm, you know, that person wronged me. I'm never going to pursue peace with them. It could be an insecurity. Well, I don't think they would ever forgive me, so I, I'm not even going to pick up the phone. But I know all of these things are traps. Traps to keep us in a place where there's an absence of peace and we're left dealing with wickedness and anxiety and we're left dealing with, with chaos and, and vengeance and all those things that hinder that peace that equips us to win. And I know in my life and I know in your life we're called to win.
We're equipped to win. The price that was paid on our behalf was absolute. We're not called to compromise. We're not even just called to survive. But we're called to be victorious. I want to pray and I want to ask God to do a work in our hearts and in our minds that would open up the door for our feet to be covered with that good news of peace. That it's His peace that He promises that would help us to respond with every inconsistency that exists in the world today and that we could stand firm no matter what. Father, we bless your name and we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the promise of peace, the fulfillment of that promise that Jesus would lay down his life on our behalf, that he would be raised up, seated next to you, and that you would pour out your spirit that we might have his promise of peace. And let the results of peace be known in our hearts and in our minds. By your mercy, let a work be done. That there would be no pride or no insecurity that would keep us from pursuing the peace that you've called us to pursue. I ask now by the power of your spirit, will you reveal those things that we need to do in order to have peace prevail? Show us the people that we need to contact. Show us the the things that we need to do. Give us the words to say that we might fulfill your call to pursue peace with all men. And let the result be the power of peace that will crush Satan beneath our feet. Let the result be the fulfillment of your word that we would truly walk in every element that you called us to walk in to be the victorious people that you have purchased us to be by the blood of your son. I ask now in Jesus' name for my own life and for the lives of all of those present that a work would be done in our hearts that would make us to prioritize peace in everything that we do, in all that we say. Let a work be done in our minds that we would begin to see things different, perceive things differently. That old ways of reacting would give way to new ways of responding. Let peace be the result and let it be revealed in our words and in our actions. Let our hearts and our attitudes be affected. And let the result be the expansion of your kingdom, the glorification of your name, the celebration of Jesus, and the embracing of your spirit in every aspect of our life. We bless your name and we give you thanks for peace. In the mighty name of Jesus and all the saints declared, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at champschurch.com.